Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. If you have your Bibles, we are in Mark chapter 11. Here we enter into a a, a new phase of of the book of Mark as as Jesus is. Um, the last six chapters is, is really just a, a recording, of, a mark of the last six days, six or seven days of Jesus' life as, as he's headed to the cross. And we'll see some, some really important teachings and, and just sometimes as he's teaching and giving understanding of what's about to take place. But today uh, is, a, is a special moment in, in this book. And we see that, that the, if you look at, at probably the title of, of yours and uh, in your Bible in Mark chapter 11, is this triumphal entry. This, this entry of a king, that, that Jesus is coming, and, and it's a big deal. And it's a, really a beautiful moment in this passage where we see that Jesus is, is being honored as King Jesus. He's being honored as, as one of royalty. And, and even though I don't think that there's full understanding of all the purposes that, that he's coming to accomplish in the next week, um, that they do understand, and many people have gathered because they know that Jesus is this promised Messiah, this King who has come to bring salvation. I think there's still some misunderstanding about the salvation that he's bringing, but it will be made clear in, in the sacrifice that he is going to make. But today, we're going to look at the triumphal entry, the first 11 verses. And as we look at this story, it really, what I want us to see is that um, he is a king like no other. And, and all through um, what's happening here in, in his entry, he, it just points to his kingship. It points to him being separate than any other king that has ruled and reigned on the earth at, up to this point and forever after that there is no king like King Jesus. And so I, I hope that, that we get to see from scriptures just how uh, the Lord is magnified and how King Jesus is to be honored in our lives. And we'll see in Mark chapter 11 this. A few years ago, I had the privilege of, of taking some students to the, the country of Panama. And, um, and I, I'd signed up. I had a student who's parent who was really excited about going on a mission trip. Her parents said she couldn't go unless I was a part of, of what was going on with the, this mission group. And so um, I, I told them I would, I would go on the trip. I would be one of the leaders of this trip. And I hadn't led this group. So um, and, and volunteer student missions, it's a group through the BMA, and, and they go on trips all, all the time. And, and so I get this privilege of, of being a part of this group, and so we go and do some training, and, and there's a, a group of about eight or ten of us, and we're going to Panama, and, and we get to learn a little bit about the, the missionaries and things like that, and between the time and training in March and the time we leave in June, the person who was leading the trip had um, some work issues come up, and, and they were not allowed to take vacation. It was like a mandatory thing, and so they were no longer allowed to go on this trip, and so the, the missions office called me and was like, hey, you're the leader of this trip now. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, really? I'm the guy who's supposed to take a group of kids to a place I've never been. And, and really, I was just, like, excited to tag along and kind of get my feet wet and seeing what this is all about. But all of a sudden, I had the pressure of, of taking the group. 
And, and it, it was beautiful. It worked out. And I ended up getting to take uh, groups for the next three years back to this place because it was such a great experience. But when we showed up, um, the missionary that we were meeting spoke very little English. I mean, maybe you probably just say none. I mean, he really couldn't communicate very well. His sister had flown in from Costa Rica to be the translator, and she had learned English through um, listening to the radio and watching TV. So even her English wasn't great, but she could help communicate. So we show up in this country where we really don't know what's going on. All these kids are looking to me, and I'm like, hey, I, I don't know. Like, and there's all this crazy security and stuff going to this airport. In the next few days, as, as we're there and, and really just kind of settle in, we start seeing some really unusual stuff. And, and I didn't know if this was normal or not normal. And, uh, and a lot of times I was with the missionary, and we couldn't really talk to ask him questions about what was going on. But we were doing some, some ministry out in the park uh, the next day after we arrived, and, and we kept seeing military guys throughout the park. And, and I thought, maybe that's normal. Um, they were very armed military guys. I mean, like big machine guns walking around the park. And then you would see guys... Um, in, in some black outfits and clothes that were not military guys, but they were very armed guys. I mean, pistols and machine guns, and, and sometimes you, they'd be holding two, and I'm like, like, are we in a movie? Like, is this a war? Like, like what is going on right now? And, and so we go through that day, and, and throughout the day, we'd see guys circling around on dirt bikes throughout this park, and, and there'd be one guy driving, and there'd be one guy on the back, and he'd be holding a machine gun up in the air, and he'd be driving around, the parks, and we kept seeing that all throughout the city, and um, asked the translator, she really didn't know what was going on, asked the, she asked the missionary, he didn't really know what was going on, and so we went to church the next day, after church, we went to a mall to eat, and we were in the food court, and as we entered into the mall, they, the military stopped us and asked us some questions, and, and I was like, is this normal, and they're like, no, this is really unusual, and I was like, okay, I was like, something strange is happening right now, so we go and eat, and there's guys that just start walking through the food court, heavy machine guns. Like, and I'm just like, all right, like, like here I am, like, not even expecting to be leading this group. And all I see are weapons and people who I don't know what's going on around me. And I was nervous. The kids were nervous. They kept coming to me like, what is happening? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not used to malls being filled with machine guns, right? And so finally the, the missionary gets up, and he goes and talks to the one of the guys, and he comes back, and he says, hey, they're here for your protection. Like, these guys that we're seeing are for you, so that's a good thing. They're here for you guys. And I was like, well, why? Like, is there a lot of, like, unrest in this country? Like, what is going on? And what we found out later that day is that he had even realized that it was this weekend, but the Panama Canal was opening up the second canal, and they've been working on this project for years and years. And what was happening in the city is that 20 presidents and dignitaries from other countries were coming into the city that weekend. And they were going to be a part of this big, huge parade. And they were going to be a part of, of all this stuff that was going on to celebrate this new canal that was going to like bring money all into Central and South America and for all their countries. And so they were there as, as these as these um, leaders of these countries, and the whole city had changed. The whole atmosphere of the city was different because of their presence and because they were coming into the city. 
And they were celebrating, and there was praise, and there was all kinds of things. And for us, we were just like, what in the world is happening? But for them, once we figured out, they were there because when royalty comes into the city, like something different, there's something different happening. Like there was a, a reception for these people. There was a safety net that was broadcast throughout the city. There was a parade that was happening. These people were shown honor. Today in the scriptures, we're going to see that that's exactly what's happening with Jesus, that he's royalty, that he is King Jesus entering into the city, and there's something different about this. There, there's so many little things in, uh, in this passage, but, but the reality of it is, is that they're there to show honor to the king. And so in chapter 11, verse 1, we'll see as Jesus enters into the city, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which one has never sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back there immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied to a tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and it sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. When he had looked around at everything, it was already late. And he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Father, we ask now, Lord, that your truth just be the thing that speaks. God, let your word and, and just the... Uh, the beautiful story here uh, and reminder of, of who King Jesus is. Um, just be evident. And Lord, I, I pray that it would um, just help us to, to see a, a greater view of who you are. Lord, I, I pray that it would draw us close to you and, and just the, the beautiful King that we serve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to see four things in here uh, in this passage today. Uh, that this, this story highlights. For me, when I first started reading this, I was like, I have no idea what to preach about the triumphal entry. Um, that, that I just, I'd never preached it before. I, I, I knew there's something, there's so much special about it, but just what, it, what is here for us to learn and what I, I begin to understand is that it highlights who Jesus is in so many different ways. And the first thing we see is that it highlights his kingship. We see him coming as King Jesus. Up till this point, all through Mark, what has he been saying? Whenever he would heal somebody or do something and say, hey, don't go tell everybody. Let's, like, let's keep this on the download. Let's, we're, not, we're not spreading this news. We're not telling the world. But now that goes away because his time has come. At that point, he was saying, it's not my time yet, so we're not to spread this. But now my time has come. 
and he's entering into the last week of his, his life and, and, and to the final, uh, going towards the, the sacrifice that we would make on the cross. And his time has come. And so he, he pushes away that don't tell now. And he comes in as a king. And it highlights in so many ways him as king. He's a king like no other. First, we see that that being true in just a very simple instruction. That he's king like no other. He tells a people that what's going to happen, go and find a donkey, find a colt, and it's going to be tied up. And when someone asks you about it, um, tell them that, that I need it and that we'll bring it back when I'm done. And they go out and they find exactly what Jesus said they would find, right? Like how many people can, can do that? How many people do you think could, could say, hey, go over to this city and around here, and you're going to find a donkey where I'm telling you, and you're going to go for it, and these people are going to ask you about it, you're going to tell them I need it, and they're going to give it to you, and you're going to bring it back to me. There's not anyone who can do that. I mean, most of the time, I can't tell April where my car keys are to go and, and find our keys to go somewhere, right? But Jesus says, hey, this is going to be there because he's a king like no other. This shows his authority, his divine nature as, as a king who's coming in to make the sacrifice that, that God requires for sin. And so we need a king like this. And, and that's just a, such a simple part of this story. But in the simple instructions, we see this divine nature of Jesus. There's not another king that could walk into the, 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 the um, kingdom, into Jerusalem, and say this is what's going to happen. But Jesus could. And he could do it with such detail that they would understand. And he could um, require something. A lot of times that, that this would be an honor for those people who recognized who Jesus was. And it was probably their cult. And it would have been an honor to give in service of the king. Many people would understand that. But, but that just highlights again his kingship. They understood who Jesus was. And when they were asked, why are you untying our cult? You know, why are you taking this? And they said, well, Jesus needs it. And it would have been an honor for them to give to their king because they knew who he was and his purpose in taking this. It says, They went away and found a cold at the door in the street, and they untied it. And some, were there, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing? Untie the colt." And they told them that Jesus said um, what Jesus said, and they let them go. And verse 7 says, And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And it sat on it, and sat on, and he sat on it. So what happens is, is they bring this colt, and there's a detail about this colt in, in the verses before that that I should have backed up to. But uh, this is a colt that has never been sat on. This is a, a colt that that has never been ridden. Um, I don't know many people who who can just jump on a horse or a donkey that's never been ridden and ride it, right? Especially into this moment that he's having. Um, like, from what I understand about that is you've got to really work hard to break a horse. I'm scared of horses. Like, I don't, I don't, me and horses just don't go together. And so I'm too big. I feel like I'm, um, they're just looking to throw me off. Um, but in this moment, Jesus takes an unbroke um, donkey, this colt, and he, he is able to immediately ride it through the city. But one of the things that this shows is, is in this time, in this culture, this is an animal, um, an animal that would be devoted to a sacred task is one that had never been ridden, that never had been broken, right? This animal, and, and, and throughout history we see that, um, that, that 
they were, they were animals that were set aside for, for royalty and for moments that, that in the Old Testament there were moments of honor. And they would be the best of the best and they would be the unbroken, unbridled. And, and what we see here is that that's what Jesus has brought to him, a cult that's never been set on because he is King Jesus. And this is a, a holy moment and a holy task and, and one that is set aside, devoted uh, for him. This is not just an ordinary moment. It highlights his kingship. He comes in riding a donkey. Most of us would think King Jesus should be riding a, a big white horse, right? He should be coming in this royal presence. Well, this, this donkey that he rides on, um, it, it has a couple of meanings. It shows a couple of things. One, it identifies him uh, with King David. Do you know that, that the royal animal in David's time was a donkey? That, that it would have been a very honored animal. It would have been a royal, kingly animal. And later on, that that would change, and that would no longer be a kingly animal, and they would go to horses. But in this time frame, it would be. And we know that, that <clears throat> Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, that he is the lineage of David. And so it connects him to this kingship of David. They would ride on a royal animal in David's time. And, and it also shows us some other things that we'll talk about in a minute, just about how that has changed in that perception. Because we would think someone who's king should be in this place of honor, but the way Jesus comes in is a place of humbleness. They laid their cloaks on the ground. In 2 Kings 9.13, we see that this was a, a practice. Um, this was something that they would do in, to, to honor the king. And... In verse uh, 13 of 2 Kings 9, it says, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then in haste, uh, in the severity of man, he took his garments and put it under him and in bare steps, and they blew the trumpets and proclaimed Jehu as king. And so what they did is, is Jesus had appointed Jehu to become king. And, and in this moment of, of showing him um, as, as being, as proclaiming him as king, they took their garments off and they laid it beneath him so that he could walk on this in a place of honor. We see things like that today in the red carpet, right? Um, that, that, that's supposed to be this big deal that, that they'll roll out the red carpet for you so that you can walk on this. And it, it just shows that there's some honor and there's something special about this. Um, and, and really what's happening here is, is that's what they're showing is that Jesus is king. He's not just Jesus walking into the city. He's Jesus riding on the royal donkey, and they are laying down their cloaks before him. They're laying it on top of it so that he can sit on it because they are honoring him as king. Isn't that beautiful? That they would recognize him as king in this way. I think there's some simple application for us in that. Do we recognize Jesus as king in our hearts and our lives? Do we see him in this way? Um, there's a group of people that have been following him and understanding all that he has done. He's come back to a place where he had raised Lazarus from the dead, and, and they knew who he was. And because of who he was, as he's in this moment, they were doing these things and cutting these leaves and laying them down and, and shouting Hosanna because he was King Jesus coming into the city. This was a, a thing that would happen, a, a triumph. Uh, is a Roman thing. It, it, it's a triumphal entry. It's, 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 they would happen all throughout um, history. 
the kings would come in and they would throw parades. And often um, it would be to celebrate things because of, of victories and battles. And, and they would throw what they would call a triumph in, in this in Roman history. And what it was is if you killed over 5,000 men um, when, under your leadership, then you would get to enter into a city uh, proclaiming the, the deaths that you caused and the victory that you have. And, and people would, would honor you, and you would come into the city, and you would be um, with, with victory. And, and a lot of times they would come with parts of the bodies of the people that they killed, and they ride in. People would celebrate what that person had done, and they would honor him. That's not what the triumphal entry of Jesus looks like. He is coming in as a celebrated king, not because of his victories over, uh, over the killing of people, but because of his victory over death and that he is saving the lives of humanity. That he is giving an opportunity. He's being celebrated because of the salvation that he brings. Not because of the death that he has caused. So the triumph entry here is a thing of honor. And they're honoring him as king. We see here that there's several prophecies that are fulfilled. This just shows us that he's a king like no other. He's the one that, that is the Messiah, the anointed one. The one that God had called um, and, and has sent. Just in him coming on a donkey. Some 500 years ago, and, and Zechariah had prophesied about a Messiah, God's anointed one who would come. Listen to what the scriptures say in Zechariah 9, 9. Some 500 years before this moment. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Some 500 years ago, Zechariah prophesied that, that the king Jesus would be coming, that the sent one would be coming with salvation in a very humble way, riding on the colt of a donkey. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And so much of his life is, is just a living fulfillment of what people knew would be coming. And it was amazing to me that, that the people who, like the Pharisees would not understand who Jesus was when they could look at his life and see that he was fulfilling prophecy after prophecy and their understanding of Scripture was being met in the person of Jesus. No other kings were fulfilling the Scriptures like him. And Jesus it shows that he is, is, is God's anointed one who is sent for God's purpose. We also see that he fulfills the lineage of David. David has made this Davidic covenant in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And in verses 12 through 16, listen to this. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. So when David passes away, he says, I will raise up. Your offspring after you. You shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house from my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isn't that what Jesus was doing all through Mark? Is coming to establish the kingdom of God from chapter 1. Continually, he's coming to bring in the kingdom of God. He says he will establish his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, speaking of his death as he takes on the sin of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I 
took it from Saul, and whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. He speaks of, of Jesus, of God's Messiah, the anointed one who would come one day in the lineage of David. If you go and read through um, and study God's lineage and you study these things out, you see that, that Jesus fulfills that prophecy. And he is the one who, who God promised David this covenant to David, and Jesus is the one who fulfills it. And they sing this. They recognize in this. Listen to what they, they sing. They say, um, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, the coming um, kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. They see that Jesus is that one that is, that is fulfilling the scriptures. Why is this so important to us? Because not only is he being highlighted as king, but he's being highlighted as the one that God has promised for all these years. He's being highlighted as the one who will come, uh, not just to, to run out the Gentiles, and that's what the Jewish people were looking for was this kind of king, but a king who is coming to establish the kingdom of God and to reign forever, for all of eternity. The reason you and I are here today is because uh, we believe in the king and the kingdom of God and the salvation that he brings. It's a beautiful picture and, and promise of, of, of the scriptures that God is doing what God has promised that, that, that this is not something that just happened, but Jesus is the one sent by God, and he's fulfilling God's purposes. That's why we honor King Jesus in our lives, because he is the one that God has sent to fulfill his purposes. He is the promised one, I and mean, he fulfills the prophecies like no other king. He demonstrates his humility and peace. We've been talking about this a lot in the last few chapters of Mark. Of to, to be humble like Jesus. His life had showed that, his, 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 his service and his, even his talking about what was coming. But here we see that, that even in the way he comes into the world, that, that he's born in a very humble way, not as this warrior king, but as a humble babe. But even as he enters into this, this triumphal, this royal parade, it's in a very humble way. So the donkey does connect him back to David as a royal animal, but in this day and age, it would have been a very humble thing for him to ride in on, right? It would have been a very simple animal for him to ride in on. It's funny how he rode in on an animal in his mom's belly like this, and now he rides in again in triumphal entry as King Jesus. Um, It just shows that, that he comes in a humble fashion to serve the purposes of God, that Jesus has done this. He comes with humility and peace and so that he can, he can live out what God has required and so that he can establish the kingdom of God. Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't come to, to break down the strongholds of the Roman government and and. And the, the, the things that a lot of the Jewish people were looking for. In fact, the, many people say it may have been the same crowds that were crying Hosanna that were later crying, crucify him, crucify him. Because he wasn't the warrior king that they were hoping him to be. But he was coming to be a spiritual warrior. To be the one who will fight the battle that we can't fight. To, to accomplish something that we can't accomplish. To atone for the sins of you and I and of every person that will put our faith in him that Jesus died 
for this reason. He came for this, and he came in humility. He came not as a warrior king, but as a servant king, humbly to accomplish the purposes of God. He came to bring peace. From the announcement of the angel to the shepherds, and where he says, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. All through scripture we see that Jesus is the one who brings peace into life. That he is accomplishing that as he's walking into this last week of his life for this purpose of laying it down. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's bringing peace to our hearts and our minds. And John 16, says, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. And in this moment, we see that Jesus, as he comes in in this very humble way, he's coming in as, as a suffering servant to lay down his life to bring peace to you and I. So we celebrate this king. He's a king like no other who comes humbly. Most kings want all the fame. We want all the glory. We want all the power. We want all the wealth. That's what kingdoms want. That's why they're constantly battling over, over lines of, of, of where their kingdom goes and to expand and to build up and to have the fame and the name of the greatest kingdom of all. Well, that belongs to King Jesus. And he didn't have to come in in this way that says, look at me. He came in and says, I'm going to humbly come and give my life for the ransom of many. We see the last thing is that it magnifies his purpose. It magnifies his purpose. And the very announcement, the very uh, worship being shouted, we see that the purpose is being made known. Hosanna, a word that means save now, is what it literally means. It means savior, save now. Hosanna. They're shouting this to Jesus as the one who has come to save them. We know that his greatest purpose, his greater purpose was that. It was to fulfill the purpose of God, to lay his life down, to go to the cross. We've talked about that, but I want us to see that, that even in this story, it's magnifying that. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew that there would be this person who would come one day and would be the savior of their people. And they're recognizing that this is Jesus Blessed is he who comes in the father of David. We've already talked about that. He's fulfilling this covenant made uh, hundreds of years before. Hosanna in the highest. There's no greater than the Savior that has come in this moment to be worshipped. He's no civil Savior. He's a spiritual Savior. He's not just redeeming a people in a moment in this time. That's what they thought, like, hey, this is going to be good. He's come in in this way, and we're going to honor him, and he's going to make our lives better. Jesus absolutely makes our lives better. It wasn't just for a people in a moment. It was for all of eternity. It's something that goes far beyond what they could see and understand in the moment, that Jesus was establishing an eternal kingdom that would last forever. They would learn this. They would begin to see this and understand this later on in the passage. That as they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Savior, save now. That this is what he had come to do. And this passage magnifies that purpose. And the last thing we see is kind of a, um, a weird ending to this, this triumphal entry. This, this royal moment. And it says in verse 11, he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple 
when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. So it says, Jesus rides in, and he's going to the temple. And he looks around, and it being late, and he leaves. And that's how this ends. There's no, like, uh, meal and festival. There's no, like, huge moment at the end of this. But what Jesus does is he goes to the temple. This is something that, um, that R.C. Sproul speaks a lot about in this passage. And, and I'll be honest, it, it, it's something that he uh, that gave me some understanding to, to what this moment really means in verse 11 and how big this actually is. Because Jesus, in his triumphal entry, was going to the temple. That's what we need to recognize, that Jesus was going to the temple. What was the temple? It was a place for sacrifice, right? It was a place for, for sins to be atoned for, for God to be worshiped. And, and what we learn in Ezekiel 10 uh, is that, that the that God, back in the Old Testament, there was a temple and God's presence resided in the temple. But in Ezekiel chapter 10, the presence of the Lord because of the sins of the people is removed from the temple. And if you go and read Ezekiel chapter 43, listen to what it says as he prophesies. He sees this vision of what's to come, that, that this, this glory of God would be reestablished in the temple says, then he led me to the gate, the gate facing the east. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was coming from the east. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but where Jesus started um, his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem was from the east. That's where the Mount of Olives was. That's where Bethany and Bethpage is, this, this area. And it says that it comes from the east. The glory of Israel, of God of Israel, was coming from the east. The sound of his coming it was like the sound of many waters. And the earth shone with glory. And the vision I saw, just like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, uh, just like the vision I had seen by the cherubim at the canal. And I fell on my face as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And one day Jesus will come and fully uh, fill the temple and reign with glory. And people from all over will see and worship him in this. But in this moment, we see Jesus, the glory of the Lord. As Hebrews says, listen, as Hebrews says, he is the radiance. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of the nature. He upholds the universe by his word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand on the majesty on high. He says he's the glory of the Lord. He's the glory of God. And what does he do? He rides in from the east, just like he's going to be, and he comes into the temple, and the glory of the Lord is to be established in the temple in the hearts of people because God is establishing his kingdom. There's significance in this and what God is doing, what God is showing of what one day will be true. Paul tells us that the temple is no longer a, a place to be worshipped, but that we're the temple and that the Lord resides in us and that, that we get to, to live life because of what Jesus Christ has done, connected and identified with the person of Jesus Christ and, and, be, and have the Lord dwell within us. This is a triumphal entry of the glory of God coming into the, the, the heart of the temple of Jerusalem and being to establish what God has, has always planned, that he would reside in glory among his people. 
It's a, it's a call to show that, that this is what God is accomplishing through salvation. This is what God will one day accomplish fully in our understanding. And this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ is doing as he comes to this place as king to establish the glory of God in the hearts of mankind as he lays his life down on the cross to forgive you and I of our sins so that his, our sins could be put on him and that he could be put to death for us. But as he's raised three days later in the newness of life, the Bible says that he gives us his righteousness. And the Bible later teaches us that he comes and becomes a part of who we are. And, and one day we'll get to share fully in his glory as we're made completely to be like him. And we will worship him as King Jesus. And so what do we do with all of this as, as you come? What do we do? What do we do when we see a story that is just a, it's a story that doesn't have just a lot of, of, of natural application? But really what this story is doing is magnifying a king like no other. And so what do we do? We make sure, first of all, that we know this king. We establish that. We make sure that we understand who King Jesus is. And the Bible says that it's to be a personal relationship and a personal decision for us that, that we have to know that and honor him and worship him and live for him as he is king over all. So we make sure first that he is King Jesus of our lives. And then we, we, we begin to break that down and say, what does that look like? A king like this deserves to be lived for, to be honored. And so we honor him. So are we seeking him? Are we living to honor him every day with our lives? Are we seeking him through his word? Are we seeking him through prayer? Are we seeking him through Bible study and fellowship with his church and his people to be built up and to be used by him? Are we seeking him by serving him and, and blessing his name in the world around us. See, we can show up to church, and we can show up to Bible studies, and we cannot seek Jesus. We can show up and we can sing songs and not think about what they're about. We can hear the, the Bible preached and think about all the other things that's going to happen today and next week because I, I tell you this because I've been doing it my whole life. Time and time again, I've showed up at church and I've not shown up to seek Jesus, to honor him as king, but just to, to, to punch the card, to, to be in the place that I think I'm supposed to be in. But the Bible, I mean, we are given an opportunity to see things like this and be reminded that he is a royal king. He's a king to be honored. He means everything. So let's bring it a little more personal again. Are you honoring with your daily life? Are you honoring with your decisions, with your thoughts, with your words, with your interactions with others? Is Jesus being honored in your relationships and your witness, the way that you love people and the kindness that you show? Let's live lives that show that we have a king who is a king like no other, who's great and mighty and righteous, and he's God's son sent into this world to redeem a people and establish his kingdom your kingdom people. Let's pray together. God, I pray that your word would just reign true in our hearts. Lord, that uh, this moment would be a moment where we see the beauty of Jesus, the, the just relevance of, of him being king of our lives and us honoring him in that way. 
Lord, that it, it means more than just this moment. It means that every part of our lives and every decision that we make, that, Lord, we live for you, uh, Lord. And, and so I pray for, for those who may need to just establish him, establish you as king. Lord, that they'd surrender to you today, Father, that they would chase after you, Lord, that they repent of their sins and they would come to you. Lord, I pray for those who have done that and, Lord, have just not been living the way they should, Lord, that they would um, just begin to, that we would get our lives back on track, that we would seek you and to honor you with everything that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.